the concept of marrying for love is a fairly newer concept. Um, And there's been a lot of research about, you know, trying to assess how do you know you're really in love? And is love really a good priority to base your relationship on? So I don't think this is such a pragmatic shift from other times in history. This week, a recent survey found that 26% of respondents said they got married because they wanted to get on their spouse's health insurance, or vice versa. Can that really be true? Are marriages today that pragmatic? Dr. Karen Sherman shares her insights. Stay tuned. This feeling, no place I'd rather be than the here and now. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchedmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the original, Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Hello. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, DrKarenSherman.com. Um, okay, Karen. So, uh, I don't know if you've heard, but 2020 was kind of a mess. Uh, yeah, thank <laughs> And, um, there were a lot of weddings that got canceled. However, uh-huh. uh, 1.3 million couples still got married in 2020, uh, in America. I should say that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, There was a survey that came out from affordablehealthinsurance.com. So, you know, throw it out there. If anybody's listened to this podcast before, you know how we feel about surveys. Um, It's interesting, not the most rigorous of uh, barometers of truth. So with that being said and thrown out there, um, 26% of the respondents uh, who of the, of those who got married in 2020, did so because their partner needed health insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know the other circumstances that were at play here. Um, but my, I guess my, my, the first thing that popped into my head was, huh, so 26% uh, of those who got married in 2020 did so for health insurance purposes, or at least that was what they told these, survey, these surveyors. Mm-hmm. Do you think that means... Or should we expect in a couple years' time to see a, a, a blip, a, an increase of divorces uh, as a direct relationship to the the reasoning as to why these people got married in 2020? Well, I don't want to be inconsistent after all these years, so I'm going to give you my typical answer. It depends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... It, 
it may be the tipping points that people felt like, okay, we really, you know, have to do something that is more formal in order to get this health insurance. But, you know, they may have been living together and very serious anyway. And now that they've made that commitment, because I do believe that something in the relationship shifts when you make that commitment, mm-hmm. um, they may now be more serious about the way they respond to each other. And so it might actually be that divorce will go down. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, what you're basically saying is it's such a non-love, um, you know, just pragmatic kind of thing that once, uh, you know, other factors settle in, they could increase in a divorce also. And I suppose that's true too. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily jump the gun and say, yeah, we, we can expect to see more divorces because of this. Right. I mean, that was one of the things that I was thinking and why I wanted to include the fact that we don't know the circumstances, Mm -hmm. um, because it might be that um, they were already sharing health insurance, for example. They were already living together for many years, and the person who had the insurance uh, lost their job because we know the economy took a a nosedive in 2020. So, um, yeah, so I think that's a very good take. And thinking about this, if you were to look back a few decades, uh, there were many reasons that couples got married um, that weren't about love, mm-hmm. first and foremost. Um, do you think this might be a, you know, you now have this generation or at least this group of people who made a, what seems to be a more pragmatic choice? Um, and do you think that might make a, pragmatic shift in society and particularly in our society, the American society where healthcare, when, when all is said and done is one of, if not the largest expense for most families. Well, you know, you say, if you look back through the decades, there were wars that we've had in the past and people got married because they wanted to solidify their relationship before the, per- the man went off to work. Um, there, really in the beginning of marriages, it was done for financial purposes as far as what's your dowry and, you know, what kind of a uh, relationship can we create that is going to be financially feasible for both families, not mm-hmm. just the bride and groom. Um, the concept of la- marrying for love is a fairly newer concept. Um, and there's been a lot of research about, you know, trying to assess how do you know you're really in love and is love really a good um, priority to base your relationship on. So I don't think this is such a pragmatic shift from other times in history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's it, it's not shocking to me at all. As I said, I think the newer concept is, well, you get married for love. And that's where a lot of people fall into problems because the love dies, life gets in the way, you don't have those same butterflies. And that uh, might be really more questionable than the other pragmatic Mm. choices that we make. And also uh, how people define love. Like, what does that mean? I mean, we've talked about in the past about what the expectations come with that. Um, um, well, it's interesting you brought up the getting married for war, uh, you know, going into war kind of a thing. I've been told my whole life from my parents, my dad was in the Vietnam war that Mm -hmm. when he was on, um, like a little break between like 
boot camp and being deployed, mm-hmm. my parents were already in a relationship, but they were like, let's get married in case anything happens. Yes. And so yeah, to, exactly. to your point about the being pragmatic about it, like that was, that was how they uh, tied the knot. Yes. Yeah. Um, the survey found that 28% of respondents and the lowest income category households making less than $50,000 a year reported that they had married for insurance. Mm-hmm. That means that while 28% were in the lowest category, that means basically three quarters of those who married for the insurance were in were not in that lowest bracket. Does that surprise you that it wasn't just for the lowest rung of the economic ladder that was doing this? Well, okay. So first I have to go back to your original statement that this is a survey. Mm-hmm. And as we have said, and if you've been listening to our podcast, this is not going to be a shocking statement, that there is a certain quality to the people who answer surveys than those who don't. So we don't really know if the number that they've reported here truly reflects you know, what you're saying about the difference right. in income. Um, but I don't think it's really surprising because, again, especially people who who are comfortable, part of the way they got comfortable is making good business decisions. Right. So, you know, if this is a, a business decision, it, it does not surprise me. No. And, and, you know, and I think one thing that needs to be taken into consideration here is what's considered low income and parsing out the demographic like, I'm sorry, not the demographic, but the geographic region of where, where those people are mm-hmm. answering the survey. So, mm-hmm. you know, yes. my, my, my wife and I, it's not like we weren't making money and it's not like we weren't college educated, but we live in Southern California. So, um, you know, $75,000, a hundred thousand dollars doesn't go as far in Southern California as it does in other parts of the country. So, mm-hmm. um, right. to suggest that, um, $50,000 in, uh, and I'm not saying this to be uh, demeaning, but like $50,000 in, say, West Virginia is going to go much further than seventy five dollars in Southern California. Sure, sure. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, 65% of couples surveyed uh, who married for health insurance said that they would rather not share a plan with their partner. Um, but this choice is no longer an option for them. Do you think this is an indicator of the health of the relationship, or is this more a going back to that business decision type thing that you were just talking about? Um, I, I want to just say, you know, I get these questions before we actually run the podcast, and I was a little confused uh, by this question. Um I'm not really sure why people would rather have their own insurance. Um, To me, and this is just personal, Mm -hmm. when you commit to a relationship and you get married, you bring all your different assets together Mm -hmm. uh, and you think as a couple. So I'm not sure why somebody would prefer to have their own insurance because to me it's like, you know, I want that to be private. I don't want you to be involved in this. I'm not really sure why people would prefer to have their own uh, insurance. Um, And it seems to me that you would go with the insurance plan of the mate who has the better insurance, mm-hmm. who offers the better insurance. So I'm I'm a little stumped by this one. Do, do you have I, any 
Well, I was, yeah, I mean, part of me thinks that the, the, the idea that you automatically or immediately blend assets, I don't mm-hmm. know that that's as prevalent or prominent. Like, I don't know that to be true, but mm-hmm. um, I, I personally know more than one couple where they do not share bank accounts. They have their own incomes and therefore their own expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I know couples who like split rent. Um, mm-hmm. and so the idea that they would also want to keep their health insurance separated as well, I can, I can mm-hmm. see that. Um, mm-hmm. I, to your point, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I f- figure like if you've made this kind of a commitment, um, you would be better off going all in because, um, it, I, 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 at least I feel it lessens the burden of trying to be protective all the time of everything you, mm-hmm. you have, you, you enable this safe space where you can be safe emotionally, physically, financially, uh, all of it. Right. Right. And when you, and when you throw up those barriers, you can't, uh, you're, you're constantly, and, and that's not to say that when you share things, there's aren't, aren't, uh, issues that come with that, but those are things that you can obviously work through. Right. Now, my other thought is, again, and, and I didn't have the opportunity to read the study this time, did they include the age groups that they were surveying? I didn't see the age groups, no. Okay. Because what you just described to me about own bank accounts, own health insurance, uh, you know, own way of spending, whatever, sounds to me that that would be more of a byproduct of a younger generation, especially with women now being so often an independent person, you know, who values her independence and doesn't want to feel like, you know, um, she's only hooking on to whatever the husband can provide for her. And in that case, she would have, you know, her own bank accounts, her own health insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what the age group is of, of the people that they surveyed. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, while you were talking, I was trying to look it up to see if I could find it, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm <laughs> not able to do that. But I like that. I, I mean, I agree because that does seem like something that was – I mean, I do know an, an older couple who does this. Um, and mm-hmm. it's also an older couple who w- were together for a, a like – decades I think before they got uh-huh. married and they and it's funny because they got married after a health scare and they're like you know what <laughs> when we uh-huh. go into the hospital I kind of yeah. want to be able to be allowed into the room yes. Um, yes and so that's another thing right like it's not just that um people lost their jobs and so they needed to get on the health care but mm-hmm. when COVID hit like this wasn't just like an economic collapse this was a health care oh, uh or a, you know uh, it was a pandemic so um you know not that people were being allowed into rooms anyway however uh you know there was a lot more going into it than just a bad economy i guess yes um yes. okay so uh last question i have for you 61% of respondents said either they or their spouse had settled for a lower-paying job during the pandemic in order for both to receive employer-provided health insurance. Mm-hmm. Knowing that couples made a career and relationship decisions for their health insurance, uh, what can they do to protect their marriage moving forward? If, mm-hmm. if they've now, I don't want to say compromised is the right word, but they've, they haven't done it 
they did it almost like they're they were forced into it based on mm-hmm. the circumstances, or maybe they rushed into it sooner than they had planned. It's funny that you say rushed into it because when I was reading this question, here's what I thought to myself. That's a very big decision that I'm going to take a lower paying job in order to get better health benefits. And this way I'm going to, it's going to protect, you know, each of us. Mm -hmm. And I would think that you don't come to that decision unless you've discussed it with each other and what the ramifications of that are. So I would like to think that these couples at least had the ability to communicate about something that's very difficult and challenging and were able to come to a decision together. So, so, you know, good for them. Um, I think that that speaks well, if I'm right, to how they are communicating with each other. But (laughs) if I'm wrong, then I think that, of course, I'm, you know, a big advocate of speaking to each other and talking about challenges, um, that it be brought up, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, we have sacrificed some money, uh, some salary, you know, what can we do together to make it manageable? Um, you know, how can we both psychologically and practically deal with the lesser amount of money, knowing that we're trying to uh, protect each other um, or the family mm-hmm. by insurance? And of course, as I would for any couple, just to um, appreciate each other, respect each other. Um, they might want to have a conversation that this is something short term, that at some point they will have a different agenda and they'll come back and they'll revisit it and maybe, you know, go for a higher paying job or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think there's got to be a constant discussion around these kinds of decisions. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good. I, um, it, I mean, I asked you what they can do to protect their marriage, and, and uh, I think that was a great answer. I, one of the things as you were talking that got me thinking was how this actually shows like quite a bit of commitment made by the couples, mm-hmm. to your point, about choosing a career based on the relationship, the health of the relationship, and yeah. the health of the individual in the relationship. I think that's interesting. And the other thing that I was thinking about is we know that bonds, um, whether married or not married, uh, really strengthen um, during times of trauma. And, um, you know, 2020 was a time of trauma. And if you are changing careers and getting married, like, you know, you're really going to battle with each other. And I can imagine that these couples could potentially be, like, really fortified in their relationships and their commitments because of the circumstances. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, I don't know if you remember back, because it's a while ago, when Sandy hit Long Island, and I was telling you that uh, couples came in, and most of the couples told me that their relationship got stronger Mm -hmm. because they had to work together uh, as a unit towards this very difficult time. And so, to me, uh, I think that this is analogous. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just to clarify for those, Sandy, as in Hurricane Sandy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not, not, not girlfriend Sandy. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that, that's right. I do remember that. Um, okay. So uh, we're going to wrap it up. Did you have anything else you wanted to add before we go? 
No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, then with that, we will button this one up. So thank you so much for your time, Karen. As always, a pleasure to talk to you, Steve. It's always a pleasure to uh, speak with you as well. Um, And with that, we are going to wrap it up. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, And I want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. She's the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can find more information about Karen and her practice at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can also find this information on our website, hitchmag.com, where we have thousands, thousands of articles available to you for free. We also have the complete archive of the podcast, so feel free to check that out, too, if you're just now uh, finding us for the first time. So with that, we will uh, call it a show, and until next time, take care, everybody. We're on top of the